So welcome to Nerd Night. Nerd Night has a tagline and the tagline is be there and be square. And that's what I put on all the posts, but I think that's kind of corny. Right? So a few years ago when Nerd Night started, they used to say it's like the Discovery Channel with beer. But who has the Discovery Channel anymore? We got beer. We got the beer, but no Discovery Channel. So now, thanks to Jen Arnold, if anybody knows who she is, she told me it's more like boozy TED Talks. So how's that? See, that's, everybody knows what that is now. So I am one of your bosses, Flip Awesome Aguilera. This wonderful young lady over here is my wife. She's another Nerd Night boss, Maritza Aguilera. And this is us at Nerd Night Miami, the night that I asked her to marry me. Yeah. Okay, so, um, but ask her, ask her what she should say now and see what happens. <laughs> I don't know, but she is wearing the shirt that says living the dream. Uh, so, Nerd Night is in about 80 cities across the world. You see Germany over there and there's a whole bunch of other places, Sydney, Melbourne. And now, as of a few months ago, we have one here in Colorado Springs, so give yourselves a hand. Yeah. And I know, let's see, how many of you here for the first time? Raise hands if you're here for the first time. Yes, I know what you first timers are thinking. Let me know if I'm psychic. You're thinking, if I was going to present in a room full of nerds, what would I talk about? Psychic, right? Super accurate, yes. So if you would like to present at Nerd Night, all you need to do is email nerdnightcos at gmail.com. We'll get in touch with you and brainstorm with you to get you on the stage. So follow, like, review, share us on Facebook. We're Nerd Night COS. On the gram, we're at Nerd Night COS. And uh, we have a website that I really don't pay attention to, but it's there. That's kind of what else is. See here, you can see our Nerd Night when I when I proposed to her, you can actually see the video. So go check that out. Let us know what you think. And let's give a hand to Kawadi for giving us this beautiful space to use. So thank you, Kawadi. And thank you to you guys. So thank you guys for being here. We appreciate you very much. So tonight we've got presentation number one, Cryptocurrency and the New Gold Rush by Kent Felis. Felis? Felice. Felice, like happy. Uh-huh, like happy. Presentation number two is The Journey Through the Body with Madav Gemke. Gramke. You spelled it wrong. You spelled it wrong. And presentation number three, Overnight YouTube Success or Not by Adam Oliver. So, all right. Kent Feliz. Come on down. You're up. All right. So, press down. And this goes on your left ear. All right. And project. project. Can everybody hear me? Okay. I'm going to stand over here. So where, where do we start? Boom. There we are. Cryptocurrency and the new gold rush, right? Everybody talks about cryptocurrency. I know everybody in this room either has invested a little bit or they have a friend who said they made a million dollars in crypto last week, right? Last week, right? So who, who's ever heard of the Klondike gold rush? 
Okay, a couple people in the room. It was in 1896 in Klondike, Alaska. Alaska wasn't even a state at the time. So uh, this book here, I, I happened to read this book a few months ago. It's called Stampede. And of course, it's a history and talks about the Klondike Gold Rush. So an interesting thing about this, so it was in 1896. Somebody found gold in the Klondike region in 1896, summer of 1896. In just 36 months, nearly 100,000 people just stopped what they were doing and instantly went to the Klondike area of Alaska, um, which is like going to the moon in 1896, quite frankly. Uh, and by the way, this with the population, the entire U.S. population at that time was about 65 million people not 350 as it is now. So think of the percentage of people. Cities were emptied. Literally, cities were just emptied. Nobody, just everybody quit their job that day and left. So about 100,000 people rushed to Alaska, okay? Roughly five to 10,000 people, I'm gonna say perished, you know what that means, or went home. They never even made it, right? Um, fewer than 100 people yeah, it's right here. Fewer than 100 people out of 100,000 some odd people that went actually made roughly close to a million dollars or any appreciable amount of money during that three years. Think about that. 100,000 people, only 100, less than 100. That's one-tenth of 1%. One so why do I bring this up, okay? I bring this up because guess what? Cryptocurrency. We're going to be rich. Bitcoin in 2009 was nothing, and now it's $47,000. Of course, six months ago, it was $57,000 per coin in February. And, right? and unlike, so it's a gold rush, right? So this next slide, right? Yeah, it would be really great if you could teach me how to make me a million dollars. That would be great, right? The key is, what's, what's happening is so many people are jumping into crypto and to be honest, and I'm just going to challenge you, you probably know nothing about it. You think, you know, right, you, you just, I don't know, it's this cool thing that's out there. Uh, my friend told me I made it, they, he made a million dollars. Someone else has made $100,000. Everybody's talking about how much money they made. Um, uh, you're going to see in a minute, and I'm going to share some ideas with you. By the way, and I, this is a challenging statement perhaps, but your friends are lying in most cases. Or they're embellishing the truth. Almost, we all want to be millionaires, just like we did the Klondike people. Almost none of us in this room, statistically, will ever even make a few hundred dollars that we keep from crypto, that we keep, right? We'll make it, we'll go, that's great. Five minutes later, it'll go to zero, right? And then we'll freak out and we'll sell it. It's kind of like penny stocks, okay? So what is the key to success? Crypto education, just like any financial investments. I happen to have been a financial investment representative for about five and a half years, 15 years ago. And the principles are still the same. I can't tell you how, many, how often people would walk into my office at the time and they'd say, so here's the deal. I want to make 30% you know, returns, but I want no risk. Does that sound familiar, right? And back in the day, that's when people were day trading their 401k. And I literally worked, for a, worked in a company with a gentleman who was absolutely literally day trading his 401k. Every single day, he was moving funds around and everything. He thought he was doing a great job. And that's the thing. We think, you know, we buy a little Bitcoin, we buy a little this, we buy a Dogecoin, which was just a made-up thing, and now it's apparently real. But is, 
is it real? Right? So this is my quote. Right? Right now, the cryptocurrency world, it's like the wild, wild west. And more often than not, the sheriff is drunk in the saloon. Right? So what I mean by that is caveat emptor, if you've heard that term before. If you don't really know what you're doing, I promise you there are thousands of people out there that are so happy about that because they're going to create this artifice of wealth that, and they're going to go, come on, come on in, come on in. And they're going, to show, they're going to tell you about all of this wonderful stuff and you don't really know. And there's greed, right? We all, hey, we all like to make some money. So I'm not saying that it's not real and I'm not saying that, the, that we can't make money investing. I'm not saying that it's, you know, that it's a bad thing. What I'm saying is crypto education if you're not getting yourself educated and really paying attention to what's going on and not following somebody who you've never heard of, you don't know anything about them, they're in some foreign country somewhere and they're talking up some coin that you've never heard of and you can't find much on it, but they made a million dollars last week in a day, right? And if you just buy $500 worth, that's 20 million coins. And if it goes to a dollar, oh my God, you just made $20 million, right? It won't go to a dollar. I hate to say that. It'll never go to a dollar, ever, ever, ever. 90% of them will die and be zero. There'll be nothing, okay? That's just the way it is. So what exactly is it? Who here in the room had kind of, other than just I know that crypto is crypto, who really understands what cryptocurrency is or thinks they do? So that's the definition, Adam, a couple people. That's the definition on the screen. It's a very kind of bland, generic definition. At its simplest, crypto currency. Crypto, by the way, didn't mean secret CIA stuff. You know, crypto just, when it came out, the kind of term stuck, it really just meant it's a digital, digital currency, right? So it's a digital currency. What's interesting is it's actually more transparent than cash. Because if I give Flip 20 bucks and no one saw me do it and later says, hey, I give you 20 bucks. He says, no, you didn't. That's not very transparent. So it is kind of, it, what's cool is this digital is transparent. There's a footprint everywhere. But the key is, so right, a digital currency in which transactions are verified, records maintained by a decentralized system. That's going to come into play in a minute. Uh, using cryptography rather than a centralized authority. So let's talk about, um, wait a minute. What the heck? Is cryptocurrency real? Or what, is it real money? What, what is it? So it's virtual money. It's based on software. It's based on algorithms. It's based on a distributed network. What that means is crypto doesn't reside. It resides everywhere and nowhere. It's on thousands of computers. It's just a what's called a blockchain. And you'll see these terms in a minute. There's what's called a blockchain. A blockchain is just a series of codes that's distributed in thousands of computers. There's no one. There's not a president of Bitcoin, right? And a VP and a CEO. And they run a company that's called Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is ubiquitous, right? And so are all of the estimated 7,000 other cryptocurrencies and every day there's a new one and like I said 90 they're like penny stocks right they're gonna come and go so you can read the screen I'm not gonna read it for you um, why is Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down supply and demand and quite frankly it's also hype like most financial investments stocks and not so much bonds stocks equities if, if Elon Musk says, Dogecoin is great and I'm going to buy 10 million of it to do whatever, then we all say, hey, that means he's buying up a lot. The price will go up. I'm going to buy some too, right? 
that doesn't always work that way because people have agendas, right? So look, if you're going to venture into the wild, wild west that I just talked about earlier, uh, you should probably learn some lingo from the natives, right? Don't just run to the Klondike and have, I've, I've never even seen snow, right? People from Florida were schlepping off to the Klondike, never seen snow in their life, and now suddenly it's 20 below, 40 below, 40 feet of snow, and they have to climb a mountain and, with, with bare feet, right? Um, so again, I'm not going to hit all of these, but uh, blockchain, you heard me say that. What is that? It's a digital form of record keeping. It is transparent. There are places you can go on the web and see every single currency. Uh, like, so in, in that case, if I sent Bitcoin to Flip or Maritza, through my wallet, my digital wallet, and they receive it, it's actually, I can go see that that actually happened, right? And anyone can. Anyone can. It's very transparent, right? So smart contracts. A smart contract's been around actually prior to crypto. All a smart contract is is a little snippet of code that's inserted into a larger thing of code. And that packet, that little snippet packet says, pay Maritza when she lands on Park Place automatically, right? It auto-executes an instruction. So a smart contract, so you can, there, there are crypto programs where you can purchase smart contracts that mean essentially if I am XYZ, then I'm gonna be paid a certain amount of crypto or a certain amount of crypto is gonna be paid out by me. Does that make sense? Um, this is huge. You have to understand decentralized finance DeFi. The entire ethos of crypto was founded in on the premise that governments and institutions and centralized organizations have too much power and they control our, our currency. It's called fiat money, right? The money that we all have, it, the US dollar, well, it's controlled essentially by the US government and all of the currencies around the world with the different countries. So when Bitcoin kind of burst on the scene in 2009, the whole point of it was to say, how can we create a kind of a parallel transference of value that nobody owns, nobody controls, not one person, no, no one person or organization. DeFi, so these are financial transactions, so your bank is a centralized organization, PayPal is a centralized organization, Cash App is centralized, anything, you, PayPal is centralized, right? We give our money, we, we do something and the middle person or middle company takes a, takes a percentage and they kind of make a lot of money by doing that. So, uh, so let's look at, okay, I want in, right? I don't know anything about it, but how can I make a million dollars in the next week or so, right? That's what everybody's like, everyone I talk to, everybody posts on Facebook, right? Their pictures with them going like this, even though it's not money, it's crypto. <laughs> They're just repurposing the old memes from you know, 20 years ago, right? So again, let's talk about red flags. I'm gonna tell you this right now, I've seen them I've been a victim of them. I know people that have been a victim of them. Unfortunately, there's a ton of scams. What did I say earlier? When there's that much money at stake, and most people, the people that are in the know, know that you guys don't know anything. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying, generally speaking, you don't know anything. And they're enticing you to come in, and they're going to just, so red flags, what to look for. Look, any crypto, now this, this is, by the way, this is my this is my opinion. I'm not a financial advisor anymore, um, and I can't give investment advice. But what I can say is, look, if there's a platform that requires a VPN, does everyone know what a VPN is, virtual private network? If they say, oh, yeah, we have this great platform, just you got to download the VPN, and then you know, when you log into the VPN, just log in as Canada. 
You don't want to log into the U.S. Log in as Canada or some other country, you know, the U.K., and we're based in Nigeria or something, not Nigeria, but somewhere, okay? If you see that, stop. Just run away. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your best friend is in it and has made a ton of money and you've seen it. It's just a Ponzi scheme of some type. At some point, the music will end and you'll wake up one day and the company's gone and they, all the crypto that was sitting there is gone. Yours included, mostly. Staking. Now, there are some staking programs that have worked. This, do you know that we all stake right now? If you have a bank account, you're staking. Staking is simply we're giving money to something. They're holding it. And they're, they're going to go out and earn a bunch of interest. And then they're going to pay us out a little bit of interest, right? That's staking. I'm going to stake more. I'll give you $50,000. And in return, you know, she's going to say, well, I'm going to hold it. And I'll give you 5% on your money every day, right? So I feel like, woohoo, that's great. Except it's too good to be true. Come on now. Um, staking programs that freeze your crypto for 20 plus days in contracts. Hey, you can buy a 20% a 20-day contract, a 50-day contract, a 60-day contract, 90-day contract. We'll pay you 3 to 5% every single day, 5 days a week. How do you think they're doing that? Cuz she's coming in and then and then I'm he's coming in and I'm paying paying her with the money he came in with. What's that called? Does anyone know what that's called? Yay! That's a, that's exactly right. It's the same thing. Um, and I'm saying, look, these are red flags. It doesn't mean I'm not going to say that every single 100% are bad. But if I see that, I'm gone. If I see this, I'm gone. If I see this, overhyped coins tokens, these promoters guarantee a future value. Oh, Maritza, this new coin, get in. A year from now, it's going to be at $50,000. It's going to be at $10. I don't know that. You know why I'm telling her that? Because I've bought a bunch, crap ton of it, and I want it to go up. So I'm not going to tell her, this is a crappy coin, don't invest. I'm going to tell her how wonderful it is, right? And if a million people do that, you're persuaded. So, and then finally, cryptocurrencies projects. Sometimes you'll see the word project, right? Where you can't find information about the founders, the community around it, others talking about it, etc. Just stick with the top 20 cryptos. 90% of all the other cryptos are never going to exist for very long. We don't know. I can't guarantee that either. I can't. I mean, there may be a dark horse in there. But guess what? Do you think you guys are smart enough to pick that dark horse? Statistically, nope. Every single one of us in here, if we were to pick a dark horse, all of us would lose statistically. Statistically, right? Maybe if we had 10,000 people and one person might have gotten the right fit. So be careful. Those are red flags. If you see any of those, my advice would be just walk away. You're not going to make the money they say they're going to you're gonna make. But so how do we, where, where do I go to get educated? How do I get education? We don't have time to talk about, there's a ton of different places you can go to legit get some education. You see them on here. Coindesk is fairly well known. These are fairly well known. These are sites you can just go to, right? They're, they're not all about hype and hype and hype and hype, right? You're learning a lot of things. Cryptohead, Bitcoin.com, Cointelegraph, verified YouTube channels. There are so many crypto YouTube channels, you know, Crypto Chris and Bitcoin Brad and, you know, Dogecoin David and, you know, and, and they're all hyping and talking about how wonderful everything is. But what do we know about them? How long have they, have they been in crypto for 15 minutes? Maybe. <laughs> that was, they made that video three days ago. You know, it's got a million likes already, but it's not a verified YouTube channel. So pay attention. These are some places. There's a ton of other places. Google Crypto Education. Google Certified Crypto Education Platforms Programs, et cetera. So 
there's a lot of ways to make money. You can trade it. Trade it is just we buy and sell, we buy and sell, we buy and sell, we buy and sell, right? It's like stocks, like currency trading. That's a way to make money. And again, be careful. Don't just do it without knowing anything just because I'm going to jump in. It's not a lot of money. It's $200. But every time you turn around, there's $200 for this coin and $100 for that coin and $200 for this coin and $300 for this coin. I have all these coins and I spent $1,000, but they're all going to go to a dollar. And then they never do. And I just spent $1,500 that I lose probably. And now I'm bummed and I'm burnt, you know? Um, invest in crypto. Do, does anyone know what HODL means? Don't say it. No, no don't say it. Who, other than flip, who knows what HODL is? Hold on for dear life. That's long-term investing. That's what I'm doing. So if I'm going to buy a crypto, I'm not buying it to sell it tomorrow or next week or next month or next three months or next six months or next a year. I really am not. I don't really care what it does. Because by the way, every single second, unlike stocks, every single second of every single day, nonstop crypto is trading 24-7 and by the way, around the world. Every millisecond, every millisecond. So if you buy it, it's not like when in the old days you could buy a stock, watch it for that day or two, and then as you buy, you can buy a crypto coin today, and in two seconds it can go from eight cents to two, or it can go from eight cents to twelve, and then do I sell that second or do I wait for it to go? You know, it's just it's up and down and up and down all the time, right? Um, DeFi, DApps, oh, crypto mining. Sorry about that, crypto mining. So guess who made money in the Klondike rush? Mostly, not the miners. But you know who made money? Millions of dollars? The people that sold to the miners. The people that set up the restaurants and the hotels and all of the, and they said, come on, you guys need to eat. And you get, so crypto mining is a little bit of a form of that. Crypto mining isn't investing. But crypto mining, again, like anything, takes some investment, takes some smarts, takes some know-how, takes some education. You know, and it takes, quite frankly, a lot of Potentially. I mean, there's some more stuff out now. There's Pi, if anyone has ever heard of that. It's kind of like a little app, and there's some other apps. You can just click on it, and you're like, oh, I'm mining, you know, and you are a little bit, you know. Um, DeFi DApps projects. DeFi, remember we talked about that? DeFinance programs. A lot of these are set up almost like affiliate programs. Some are very good. There's some are based on crypto education. Some are not. They're more of a program where you're getting education and you're not really trading that much, but you could potentially earn some crypto by affiliate programming that and getting people to, to get some more crypto education, if that makes sense. Crypto education courses. There are literally crypto education courses. There's some folks online that are doing legit, real crypto education courses. They charge a fee. Um, that's something that I might get into uh, in the next six months to a year. Okay. Uh, just so you'll know that. Passive interest on exchanges. So there are some cryptos. Algo is one, if anyone has heard of Algo. Algo pays a reasonable. It's not that weird. I'm going to pay you. We're going to pay 5% every single hour, you know. But Algo offers kind of, it's like a CD, right? We put money in, and as we're buying, it'll, it'll pay out a small passive amount, right? Just passive. But they're very small percentages. But that's a way to earn money, especially if you're going to hodl. Hold on for dear life, right? Um, so, but what the heck can I buy with crypto? Where the heck can I spend it right now? I, I don't understand that. So, of all places, El Salvador. Two minutes? Okay. How much time do I have? Uh, oh, okay. So, El Salvador, the first country in the world to make Bitcoin legal tender. So, you can walk in and, and, and you, by the way, you don't carry Bitcoin around. You guys know that, right? You don't actually carry coins around. Right? You know that. It's a digital wallet. 
it's all digital, right? So, but I can, it just, you know, we do, we use our apps these days, Apple Pay or whatever the Google is, or whatever the Android is, Pay, you know, you just you wipe, swipe your phone and, but instead of coming out of your debit card or bank account, it can come, it can literally, Bitcoin can come out of your digital wallet. So, and there's all sorts of stories that are going on. The Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, an independent bureau within the U.S. Treasury Department announced yesterday, and this was back in January, that it has granted conditional approval to Anchorage Trust Company to become Anchorage Digital Bank. It is the first federally chartered crypto bank in the U.S. So the bank, you don't, there's no, there's no fiat money. It's all crypto. Okay. Look at this. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's an offensive tackle. He tweeted last year. He's like, pay me in crypto, pay, pay me in Bitcoin. Don't want a dollar. I don't want any, don't, I'm not going to sign a contract if you're going to pay me money. That money, fiat money. I want Bitcoin. And so they did. Literally, Okung made headlines in December last year. He's the first professional athlete in any major sport to be paid 100% in Bitcoin. 100%. He's taking no cash, nothing. Just Bitcoin. And he's going into his wallet. And, of course, he's banking on the fact that over time, it'll go up. Um, here's another one. J.P. Morgan, everyone's heard of J.P. Morgan Chase, right? I think they bought every other bank in America, and now they're J.P. Morgan Chase, right? Like, I think they own five countries or something. Um, they're launching the first ever major crypto. So they're actually launching their own cryptocurrency. Now, here's what's important about this. J.P. Morgan, just two years ago, publicly, two to three years ago, publicly, they were just like, crypto is fake. It's a scam. We'll never do anything with crypto. It's ridiculous. It's not real. Don't put any money in it. Meanwhile, I'm guessing that a lot of the executives were buying crypto left and right, making <laughs> and so they literally finally came out and said, look, so it's going to be dubbed JPM coin. It's going to settle payments between clients. So it's going to be kind of a way instead of like, again, right, if for debts or, or types of ways that banks settle between themselves, they're going to use this JPM coin. Um, so... More and more and more, there are some things we're seeing, little places and pockets and business here, even here in the Springs, that you can use Bitcoin. Or, and it, most of them are using Bitcoin right now, not the other currencies. Um, Bitcoin, Ethereum is kind of the second well-known largest uh, digital currency. There's Tron, there's a bunch, there's a couple other the big ones. And then all, uh, the problem is, is all the, the sexy ones are all the little tiny ones that just started there. I call them ankle biter ones or penny stock ones, right? They get all the press because they're hyped. They get all the press because there's people behind them that have an agenda that want them to get hyped and want people to buy them. Because if they buy them, guess what happens? The value goes up. And then they quietly sell them and they didn't tell you that. And then all of a sudden they disappear and they're not promoting that coin anymore. And you're like, what the, what, what just happened? Wait, what? You know, and the coin goes to zero. So, that is the new gold rush. Participate if you'd like. Get educated, though. Don't be that, that, don't be that you know, 100,000 people that rush to gold because, oh, there's gold in them our hills. But I don't know how to get it. I've never been in that weather. I have no idea. I have no equipment. I have no clothing. I have no lodging. I have nothing. I just go to the Klondike and think I'm going to walk into a river and there's gold. Right? It's the same thing with cryptocurrency. You're not going to just get a digital wallet, jump on Coinbase, buy something, and in a few weeks you've made thousands of dollars. And even if you do, do you have any idea what your strategy is? What happens when it goes down? Can you hold on for dear life? Do you have the mental, emotional makeup to watch your $5,000 go to $100 and not freak out? Again, most people don't have that. Most people just, they can't emotionally deal with it. So that's what holding on for dear life means. Yes. So 
there's my information. Uh, what questions do people have? Any questions at all? Somebody's got to have questions. Cryptocurrency, for God's sakes. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, what do I think about funds and e e NFTs or EF ETFs? Uh, you know, I think it's a clever way to just package together a bunch of crypto again. Like, I mean, I, I don't know enough about them to say they're good or bad. And that's the other thing I think to be careful of, right? We have such a short history so far. There's no, I'm not sure that there are people that are crypto experts, even though that word exists. I don't know a lot about them. I think it's, it's, it's like anything. They're taking exchange-traded funds, kind of like what they're packaging them to some extent. So maybe that's a good thing because it distributes the risk in the long term, right? Any other questions? Um, what site do I recommend to trade crypto? I mean, probably the best known one is Coinbase. I mean, it's relative. Now, there's all of them, by the way, have these little idiosyncrasies that are kind of weird. And some people like this and they don't like that. Coinbase is just, I've used Coinbase, so most people have heard of Coinbase. I think it's fair. I think it's, it's legit. Um, there are tons of others. I've also used BitPay. I've also used, um, it's on my phone. I don't remember the name of it. But just stick with a couple of the, the well known ones, if that helps. Adam? Can't. Can't hear you. So for mining, mining is changing so quickly right now. Uh, oh, he, so his, his question was, what do I suggest for mining if somebody wants to get into crypto mining? Crypto mining is changing so fast as well as everything, right? Not that long ago, crypto mining meant you basically had to invest thousands of dollars in a lot of, you know, just bandwidth and computer and all of that because basically what you're doing is you're you're verifying some of those transactions as a miner you get to take fees by the way that's why people do it because they do get to take fees when they mine it's kind of creating and, and keeping the blockchain going making sure that a digital transaction that I s that happens happens okay so I mean I, I think if one is willing to spend some money up front on and I, when I say money potentially some thousands of dollars not hundreds of thousands um, to invest in the equipment and then also to spend a lot of time and it, and it also sucks a lot of energy from the environment. It's a massive problem that's going on right now. Um, I would, I mean, I, it's viable. I mean, there, there are people that are, that are doing just crypto mining and they, they like it because it's not kind of playing the stock market proverbial kind of a comparison. So what are the questions? What's your favorite provider? Oh, jeez. So uh, I, all of us fall for the, the right. So I did. We bought. I bought Dogecoin a while ago. Not when when it first came out, but I bought it. At, and I bought it mainly because I did see. I mean, Elon Musk is saying well, I'm going to ditch Bitcoin primarily, and I'm going to focus on Do Dogecoin and kind of try to build that up. So in doing so, he's a whether we like it or not, he's an influencer. So that's one of the ones. I mean, there's so there are thousands, literally, and I'm not an expert either. So that my, I guess I'm just going to stick with. I, yeah, I bought some, and I didn't buy tens of thousands of dollars worth of Dogecoin. I don't have that money, capital to spend, but we spent some, and I've, I haven't touched it. It's just holding on, right? I don't care what it's worth today. What I care what it's worth is five years from now. That's what I care. Any other questions? Is right here. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Go ahead, ma'am. That's all right. 
Um, so my first question is... That's right, you're fine, you're fine. Yeah. All right, what's your name? She'll be up here with me. <laughs> my name is Jerrica. Okay. And so my first question is, um, in a, like, right now, what would you compare the Bitcoin, Bitcoin to in pre-existing markets? So is there anything currently that you can compare it to? Like you mentioned um, the stock market. Is there anything, just to help us like wrap our brains around how it works, especially with multiple players entering? Great question. Great. Okay. So what she's asking is kind of, how can I, like what comparison, I think this is right, Jerka, like how can I characterize Bitcoin as a currency or as a cryptocurrency? Like what would it be its equivalent maybe in the stock world? Is that kind of what you're saying a little bit? In general. I mean, look, Bitcoin was the first, roughly 2009. It was, it's still the largest. It's ubiquitous. Everyone, when people say Bitcoin, sometimes they just mean cryptocurrency, like Kleenex. I mean, I want to, you can't take this analogy too far, but right now, I mean, Bitcoin is like a Microsoft. Everybody's heard of them. It seems, of all of them, it seems long-term the most stable, right? You saw what I showed you, El Salvador made Bitcoin, not Dogecoin or not Tron or not Ethereum or not any of the others. They made Bitcoin the illegal tender, right? The, the defensive tackler, offensive tackler, that guy, he wants to be paid in Bitcoin not Ethereum or XYZ or XYZ. So I would say anyone's crypto, crypto platform or crypto investments, I would certainly put some of that in Bitcoin. I mean, if I think that answers your question. I was actually, when you mentioned cryptocurrency, so I use Bitcoin to characterize. Oh, see, see, she did. Right. So crypto, I mean, there's thousands of cryptocurrency coins. I mean, I'm going to, this is just my advice. Stick to the top 20. All the other ones I don't care that much about. I mean, because now it's just a crapshoot. And um, you can't say this one's good and that one's not. So, thank you. Sorry, good questions. Thank you, sir. All right, everyone. Thanks so much, Kent. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can't hear myself. Okay, awesome. So now, one of my favorite parts of uh, Nerd Night is Nerd Night Trivia. And today we are going to celebrate the Olympics. And uh, I'm going to be asking you some questions and hopefully you guys have know what your stuff. And then my lovely assistant will be handing out some nerd rope. <laughs> so the first question is, in which country did the Olympics originate? Hands, please. This young lady over here. Yes! Nerd rope for this young lady over here. Awesome. That's not a question. <laughs> uh, next question is, the Olympic torch is a tribute to the fire that burned throughout the ancient Greek Olympic Games honoring which goddess? Does anyone know which goddess? No, it is not Athena. Good, good. Nope, not Aphrodite. Not Persephone. One more. Not Zeus. No, but very close. It was Hestia. Yes, the goddess of the hearth, 
which the hearth has fire. So uh, that one was a little out there. I'll, I'll give that. Uh, the next question and the last one for the round is, what colors are the Olympic rings? That's only four. You're missing one. Yes. Awesome. So now, follow, like, review, share us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Nerd Night COS. Uh, we are going to go ahead and take a 15-minute break. Go ahead, refill your drinks. 10-minute break. Sorry, 10-minute break. Refill your drinks. Go grab something to eat, and we'll see you back here in 10. So now I'm going to call my good friend that I've just met recently and we actually have become really good friends. So, are you ready? Let's do it. Take it away. Right. Oh, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting next to the... I'm going to be talking to you about the human body. Yeah. That is my uh, intention. It's very interesting because it's something we all share. So it's nice to be able to learn something about it. Uh, this is going to be from an integral perspective. We'll talk a little bit about more what in the world that means. But uh, first of all, oh, that's the laser. There we go. First of all, a little bit about me. This is my, uh, me and my beautiful girlfriend right here. She's right over there. Everyone say hello to Erica. We both really love rock climbing. We both uh, love being outside in the mountains. So this is out in the San Juans. Uh, we did some climbing out there, had a good time. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in school, sitting at a desk, learning how to read and write, which is very helpful. Uh, so, but also, in addition to being a chiropractor now, I also teach anatomy at the Institute for Anatomical Research, just right down the road here. It's a very, uh, very interesting place to be. And that's a lot of uh, what I'll be talking about tonight is my experience in the lab. So I want to try to relate that to everyday life, relate that a little bit to what I do as a chiropractor. Okay, so before we actually get started with the body though, I want to talk about models. So what is a model? A model is a simplification of reality. A simplification of reality that emphasizes certain parts of reality and ignores other parts of reality. And this is really useful because what are we supposed to do? Know everything about everything? Uh, for example, about the body? There's no way. It's too complicated. It's like knowing everything about the universe. So we simplify. We highlight certain things and we disregard other things to make it more simple. So here's two examples. Let's start with this one. The, a very popular model of the body, we call it the mechanistic model. Or the model that the body is a machine. So, what are we highlighting about this model? What are we highlighting about the mechanistic model? Well, the body does seem to have many parts. It appears to have many parts, and they appear to work in unison, just like a machine does. So, it does have some truth in this model, because that's, that is how our bodies are, but what is it disregarding? Well, what about like a consciousness, for example? Where does consciousness fit into the mechanistic model? Well, it, it doesn't, there's no way. But Luckily for us, we have other models. It's good to have multiple models so we can have as a complete of a picture as possible. 
So here's another model. I actually have this model here with me. It's called a tensegrity model. This is a tensegrity model. This is actually made by an architect. But some health person said, oh, that's kind of like how our body is put together. So I'm just going to talk for a second about this. Now, of course, your body looks nothing like this. Of course. But it's a model. It's a simplification. So what are we highlighting here? Well, first of all, we see there's hard parts. This wood is hard. And then there's soft parts, the rubber bands, right? So of course, the hard part is meant to indicate like our bones. And then the rubber bands is like the matrix of soft tissue that is suspended or is suspending the bones. Now it's interesting because you see that none of the hard parts, none of the bones are touching here. They're all floating. It's very interesting, right? That is actually how your bones are. Your, bone, your bones in a healthy state, they don't touch. You look at an x-ray, the bones are separated. They, the bones literally float in our matrix of soft tissue. They don't touch. So it's very cool. So another thing that this highlights is the interconnection, the, the interconnectivity of the body. So let me just put this down. I hope everyone can see. But if I just touch right here, just one part of it, you see the whole thing can move, right? The whole thing moves just by one little touch. Well, how is that so? It's because everything is connected. Everything is connected in the human body. So that's another beautiful thing that this, this model illustrates is how everything is connected. It is connected. And it doesn't take much, right? It doesn't take much to affect the whole. Maybe I can talk a little bit about that with my chiropractic application. Okay, so let's move on. The next model I'm gonna talk about is actually a model that this man right here made. His name is Gil Headley. He's a dear friend and mentor of mine. So it's funny because I'm talking about his stuff here, but how else are we supposed to learn if not through a mentor? So thank you for teaching me. So, woo! All right, so his uh, model that he came up with is called the onion tree model. Onion tree, so we have two parts. We have an onion and we have a tree. So first let's talk about the onion part of it. The onion, you can see it has layers. This is an onion cut in half. So this is something that this is highlighting. You have uh, a thin layer, we'll call it, is purple in the onion. And then we have a fluffy layer, is white, right here in this onion. And it's a sequence of thin, fluffy, thin, fluffy, thin, fluffy. Everyone see that? How it's thin, fluffy, thin, fluffy? Yes? Actually, as you go into the human body, that is how we are. It is, we are layered, and it goes thin, fluffy, thin, fluffy. Uh, very, very interesting. We'll talk a little bit about more what they're called and what they do in a second. The next part is the tree part. Okay, so we have the onion tree. So this is the second part. This is the tree part. All of you, all of us, me, everybody, we all have trees actually inside of our bodies. We actually have two trees. We have a brain tree and we have a heart tree. So what does that even mean? Well, so, well first of all, the tree, let's start with here. The tree has a trunk, right? The tree has a central part of the trunk. So the brain tree, what is the trunk? It's the spinal cord. The spinal cord is a great trunk that goes and then it has many branches that come off of the spinal cord, right? The same with the heart tree. The heart has the aorta that runs right down here. And then off of the aorta, we have arteries that branch. They're branches. And then the arteries branch into smaller branches. And then those arteries branch into smaller arteries. And on and on and on until we get to the outermost periphery where the, where the, the heart tree turns into capillaries. We've all, maybe we've heard this word capillary before.
right? So very, very interesting. So now if we stack them, boom, onion tree. That's kind of cool, right? So we have the onion tree. This is how our bodies are put together. It's so interesting. It's so simple, but there's so much that goes into that. There is, uh, it is explaining so much with such a simple model. I love it. Thank you, Bill. Okay, I chopped a cabbage. This is a cabbage. I chopped it in half and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Alright. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the onion tree when I cut my cabbage open. And I just thought that was too cool to not share with you guys. Okay, so now we can actually start talking about the body. We'll start, we'll go from the outside to the inside. That's how we'll go. So from the outside, we have the skin. Right? So here is pictures of the skin. I'm going to show you pictures of the body. I'm going to show you pictures that make me think of what I see when I'm in the anatomy laboratory. So the first layer is the skin. What can I say about the skin? Well, first of all, if we go back on the slide, two slides, three slides, you can see that at the edge, that tree gets so thin, it gets so fine, that it basically makes up the skin itself. You can't even differentiate the tree, the brain tree, and the heart tree from the skin itself because it's so fine, it's so thin. So, if you've ever wondered, oh, I wonder what a human heart looks like, or I wonder what the brain looks like, look at your friend, look at your loved one. What you see, literally, you are looking at their heart. You are, because that's the outermost part of their heart, you're looking at it. It's, that's just a, it's amazing, right? If you want to touch someone, you touch someone's skin, you literally are touching their brain. Literally are touching their brain, and that's why. It's just, that's just so cool. Okay, and another thing I want to say about skin. Is this like a barrier, right? The skin is like a barrier. Oh, let's try it. Hello, hello, hello. Not so much, that's okay. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Yes, okay, all right. So the skin is like a barrier, yes? We know the skin is like a barrier, but something's very interesting about this barrier is that it lets things through it. We're having kind of an issue now in our world with barriers. So what is the answer to our problem with the barriers in our world? Should we close them completely? Should we open them completely? Well, let's take a lesson from nature. How does nature do it? It has the barrier, and it's selective. It lets some things through, it lets some things out, it keeps some things out, and it keeps some things in, right? So it's selective, it's smart. It's not just, all oh, everything shut, closed, or everything opened up. It's smart about letting things through. So we can take a lesson from nature in that way. Okay, the next layer. If you go, if you go, right immediately beneath the skin. We come to a fluffy, fluffy layer. It's fluffy, so the clouds make me think of this fluffy layer. We call it the superficial fascia. A lot of people know it as the subcutaneous adipose, which is uh, some fancy words. But I like superficial fascia because it was highlighting some things um, that maybe subcutaneous adipose does not. But basically, I'll say two things about the superficial fascia. Number one, is it not cozy? Is it, is it not nice to give someone a hug and feel the cushion, right? It's nice. It feels nice. So this part of our sensuality, let's say, this is a crucial aspect of our sensation centers. Another thing that a lot of people have no idea is that this subcutaneous adipose, the superficial fascia, is an endocrine organ. It is producing 
literally dozens of hormones that are regulating your body function. So many hormones are produced in this tissue, right here, right, just a couple of millimeters beneath the skin. That is helping our body to be healthy. So if we want this layer to go away, or oh, I don't like the fat, or whatever, it's like, no. You need that stuff, you need that fat, because without it, the hormonal balance will not be good. You need this thing. Okay, next layer. Beneath the nice cushion, we have actually a very tight rib. We have a tight rib, this is called the deep fascia. The deep fascia is surrounding your muscle tissue, actually. It's surrounding the muscle tissue, but it's also going through the muscle tissue, so it's not just like a sock. It's like a 3D sock that's going into it's like it's going into the muscle through the muscle um, uh, so it's creating like a let's say like a scaffolding for the muscle to function within it creates like a space for the muscle to do its thing uh, uh, and also very very interesting uh, a lot of people we think oh the nervous system is just in the nerves but actually this tissue layer this uh, the deep fascia this palm tree leaf is making me think of the deep fashion because it's a tight, it's like a tight grid. But there are so many nervous cells, there are so many neural cells, I should say, neural cells in this tissue. I think more neural cells in this tissue than even in the muscle. Very interesting. So it's a, it's a smart thing, it's not just a fascia, it's a smart fascia. Okay, anyway, next. So we all recognize this, I think. This is our this is like our muscle, right? And the deep fascia that is covering this, like this, you see here, that's what I meant by the So if it was just a sock, then it's just going over it. But it's not just a sock, it's a sock that's also going this way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So the muscle, of course, we all know what muscle does. We have the muscle, right? Yes, big. We're going deeper and deeper and deeper. Okay, and then I just have this slide to remind us that as we go deeper and deeper into the human form, we're always encountering the trees, right? Because the tree is penetrating through every layer. Through every layer, we're encountering the trees. And as we go deeper and deeper, they get thicker and thicker. Okay, anyway, next. All right. Gil knows what this is all about. So. You get, you get past the muscle, and then now we finally are into the organs. We're into the viscera. Now, I can't think of anything that looks like the viscera more than this garden of sea plants. Literally, looking at the organs, it's like looking at a garden of sea plants. Is it not? It's amazing, actually. It's amazing. There's so many things that I could say about this, but I'm going to narrow it down because we do have time constraints. I want to talk about the mesentery. It's a very interesting little, tiny little part of the sea garden within our bellies. But the mesentery is what's anchoring the intestines onto the back, onto your back, basically. Okay, so how can your intestines stay put? They have a root. They're rooted actually onto your spine almost. So the aorta, the, those two trees are running in front of the spine. And then the mesentery is like rooted onto them. Okay, so your intestines, as the food goes through the intestines, nutrients are pulled through the walls, and then the mesentery is how all those nutrients are absorbed, let's say. So, a lot of the times, this is a little chiropractic application for you. Why I get 
my clients that I see who have digestive problems, I adjust their spine and their digestive problems go away. How in the world can that work? Well, there's many different stories I can tell you for how that could work, but the mesentery to me is a very obvious one. To me, that's a very obvious reason why spinal adjustments help with digestion, because your intestines are rooted onto your spine. How can the spinal health not affect the intestinal health? Of course it does, because it's so connected. It's a very direct connection. All right, anyway, we're diving deeper and deeper. We're diving, we're diving deeper and deeper. And we get to here. What does this look like to you guys? Brain, brain. It's like a brain, right? This is brain coral, actually. This is brain coral. It's named brain coral because it looks like our brains. Okay, obviously. It's just so interesting because when you see the similarities in nature to us, it makes me think there's got to be a connection between nature and us, right? Because it's so similar. How can there? It's just a repeating pattern. So, uh, again, many things we could say about the brain, but I'll just say this. Brain is like a very smart picker-upper of information, among many other things. It's a picker-upper of information. It's sensing everywhere what's going on, and then it it turns around and regulates the body because of what it's getting. It gets an input, and then it is able to regulate its output appropriately because of what it's because of what it's getting. Okay, so. I'm going to relate that to chiropractic very heavily. I will try to at least. Someone asked me one time, you're a chiropractor, what do you do? It's like, this act, this image came to my mind. I'll never forget it. It was that one time that person asked me and this image came to mind. I was like, that's what I do. That ripple, that's what I do. You take a pebble and when you drop a pebble into a water, what happens? The ripple affects the whole body of water, right? But you only put the pebble in one spot, but the whole body of water got affected. Does that make sense? You put the pebble in one place, but the whole body of water is affected. That's what I believe that I do when I touch someone. I touch someone, I put my hands on someone's spine or someone's body, wherever it is, and I make an adjustment, and that ripple is integrated into the whole and the brain is so smart the brain picks up that information and it says oh I have a good input here for good things now I can change the body's output to make the digestion better or to make the sports performance better or to make the uh, make your brain sharper like CEOs really like this stuff actually because they notice that they think much more clearly and much more sharply when they get their spine adjusted there we go I should have switch to that slide a little earlier, how nice. Uh, we are, I, I just love helping people. I love helping people in this way. It makes me so happy. How are we doing on time, by the way? Are we doing good? Because I think I'm just about done. Let's just call it. Thank you very much. I hope you all learned something. That's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, let's just do it. Questions?
Another easy step is to walk outside and breathe fresh air. That is very powerful, actually. And we hear about this advice a lot, go outside, taking the sunlight, taking the fresh air. But seriously, seriously, just do that. It looks like you probably already do a good bit of that. Eating good food, drinking water, eating healthy. More questions. Questions. Get that picture. Maybe you were kind of the last picture. I noticed you were as you were touching the person's neck. Your eyes are closed. Yes. And, and I'm guessing your eyes are closed. It, it interferes with your sexual behavior. Yeah, you know. Or, or I don't know if it interferes, but I find it interesting because other practitioners I know are like that. So he's noticing that I have my eyes closed in this picture. And uh, yeah, it's a good observation because a lot of body workers, we do close their eyes when we work. It's like it, I feel like it narrows all of my attention into my hands. I like funnel all of my energy into my hands and with my eyes closed it helps me to do that. Sometimes I do have my eyes open if I need to see. Sometimes I can like pay attention to what's happening over there as I get over here. So not always. But sometimes I see better with my eyes closed. That's very nice. All right. One more. Yeah. One more. One more. One more. One more. Sorry. Ritz is like this. Yeah. I think the power factors in the past were kind of like assembly line. You walk in, you stop, you can't come back and see me in two weeks. So like, what is the difference between like your approach and the Totally, totally. That's an awesome question. Thank you very much. So his question was that he's been to chiropractors before and he has noticed that many offices are like assembly line offices. Like come in, crunch, 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 bye bye. Come in, crunch, 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 bye bye. See you next week. And what is the difference between that? Maybe I do practice that way or maybe I don't. And if I don't, then what is the difference? Well, I don't practice that way. I hate chiropractors who practice that way. I wish that they didn't do that because I don't do that. You know, I, Everyone is different. Everyone is so different. So how can everyone get the same adjustment? That makes no sense. To me, that makes no sense. To me, you're an individual, unique person. You should get individual, unique adjustments. I take maybe 20 minutes to adjust my people, so I really take my time. I don't just have tunnel vision on the spine. I like whole body, complete, holistic adjusting, uh, and I have gotten pretty good feedback about it. So, that is the difference. And if you want, you can go to my website and see for yourself. Uh, this QR code over here is to book an appointment if you want to do a book appointment. But otherwise, go to the website, maybe you can read some things and learn a little bit more.
the Olympics. Per minute. Per minute. Yeah, the year. The year. Think about this. No, way before that. presentation of the night let's crowd back in microphones working hopefully it'll work through the whole thing let's see here so and now I will present a good buddy of mine that I met through the networking world fantastic videographer and this is Adam Oliver and he's gonna teach us how to get millions of YouTube views with a broken hand that's right with a broken hand Everybody hear me? Sweet. So before anyone asks, I do have a broken hand, and I was climbing Snowmass Mountain. We were halfway up, and I took a little slip. Anyway, I'm Adam Oliver. I'm a videographer, uh, techno nerd. I love tech. I'm not going to talk about that today. I could get way into that. I'm a filmmaker, which is different from a videographer. Talk about that later. And lastly, but not least an ex-YouTuber. So I used to create a lot of YouTube videos, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I started out in the world of YouTube creating Nerf videos. So I actually had a channel called Nerf SOCOM, which stands for Nerf Special Operations Command. So I created Nerf action videos. I created uh, reviews, stress tests. What you see on screen right now is the very first video we released. Um, we created a huge series of these action videos. Um, we also did modification videos. We, we made videos featuring Nerf News. I was 13 when I started doing this. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we, we had a pretty much a huge empire of Nerf creation. And as you see, the quality here is just phenomenal. It's great stuff, especially when I started at 13. However, even though it wasn't great, we kept creating, and we got some progression in our viewership. So I created a terrible chart here, learned that PowerPoint 
Either it's me or PowerPoint. I don't create good charts in PowerPoint. But uh, this is not the exact view count because they're much higher. But this is about what we were getting along the way. So episode one, you see, is at about 200 views. Episode two, we got a couple more, 300 views maybe. But then it started picking up. You'll see episode 10 was our first video to hit 100,000 views. We had some good viewership that we built over time. I'll talk about how we got there in a little bit. Um, on the tech side, the first camera I shot with was an Intel camera. Anyone who's in the world of computers would know that Intel doesn't make cameras. They made one camera, and that's what I started out with. The Sony Hi8 camera is, is what I also worked on. These were before I ever started the YouTube stuff. Sony Mini DV camera was the one that I actually started creating YouTube material on. And then eventually, at episode 10 and beyond, is where I use this Panasonic TM900K, which is my first HD camera. Um, but I'm going to talk about the progression of our SOCOM. So right here you see, this is episode 16. So I told you episode 10 got 100,000 views. Episode 16 was the first to hit 1 million views. Right now it was at 2 million, but it was the first video. It was a pretty big milestone for us. It was the first video we had to hit 1 million views. And it's crazy, a Nerf video hitting a million views, I know. Uh, episode 18 was our first video to hit 10 million views. Right now it's at 15. First video to hit 10 million views. Our quality was growing. We were getting better and better content. We were, getting, we were starting to grow an audience. Episode 19 was our first video to hit 20 million views. And then episode 20 was our big one. We had a lot of prep for this one. Episode 20 was our first video to surpass 100 million views. So right now, today, it's at 140 million views. Um, Obviously, we, I mean, it took a lot to get there. Not only were we doing these, these episodic series, but we did uh, stress test videos. We did review videos. So it wasn't like a one-hit wonder. We had a lot of content that was getting this high viewership. This video here, you see, was episode 20, the one that got all those views, the, the 140 million. Um, our, all our channels combined had uh, over 800,000 subscribers. And... This is an old number here. I actually grabbed this number last year. I didn't go ahead and count, but uh, it's a 255 million views over all of our channels, and I, I believe it's well over 260 now if I went back and looked and counted them all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we created a lot of content. From there, we, you know, we were enabled to create more because of our viewership. Um, we created a new series called The Trigger. Um, we, haven't fin we never actually finished that series, but uh, you see it's a lot more kind of I don't know, it's, it's, it's movie-like. It's Jason Bourne, 24-esque. It's like we wanted to be like, you know, in the movies. Um, we started getting recognized publicly. There have been countless times where kids would say, hey, you're those Nerf SOCOM guys. You're, you're, they called me Dave. My name in the, in the video was Dave, and my brother was Jacob. So they called us Dave and Jacob. You're Dave and Jacob from Nerf SOCOM. It's like, yep, that's us. Um, we started getting some monetization. So actually, well back, when we got our first video that hit a million views, YouTube reached out to us and was like, hey, you can monetize your videos. You can trade ad views for money. We're like, wow, that's super cool. I remember the first day that we were able to buy pizza for our actors, and that was super cool. It was like, oh my gosh, this is world-breaking stuff. We can buy pizza for our actors? Super cool. Um, we began acquiring new film equipment. That's, that's why you, the quality goes up as it did. Um, we got a pretty cool trophy. So this is this is from YouTube. This is the the gold button, or no, this is the silver button. The silver, silver, gold, and platinum. Um, silver is for 100,000 views. 
Um, obviously, we had 600,000 no, subscribers. We had 650,000 subscribers, so we were almost to that million mark. I think we we're almost to that million mark. Um, that we would have got a gold star, which is, which is bigger. Um, they gave us a cheesy, a cheesy letter with it. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, we also got a lot of fan mail. So uh, as part of our news, we wouldn't just talk about the news in the world of Nerf, but we would talk about what's going on in our channel. Like, hey, we're you know, releasing these videos, and we would end up reading fan mail too. So on the left here, you see this board. We had that totally packed out by the, when we were doing the later series. Um, we, we had... We had letters coming in every single week from fans who wanted to have their, their, their letters featured, who wanted to have their names read. They'd create art for us, they'd draw things, they'd create, you know, they'd, th they'd give us nerf darts. Most of them would ask us for stuff. That was like something kids love to do. They always asked us, can you send me your nerf guns? It's like, yeah, maybe. Um, you can see more, it's this, this kid, this was, I remember the name, Koshelkova. And they were from, they were from, oh, shoot, I don't even remember the name. I probably shouldn't say where and then their name anyway, but they created these, like, really realistic drawings of us, which was super cool. Um, really, really awesome to get all this fan mail. We, we, have, we have hundreds and hundreds of articles of fan mail that we got. Super duper cool. Um, we had even some sponsorship opportunities, so we had companies reach out to us. We never reached out to these companies. They, they contacted us, like, hey, can you feature our products? Can you... You know, can we put your videos on our blog? So a lot of these were blogs. This one here is, is a pretty big mod maker. So they create parts for your Nerf gun so that you can shoot your friends and make them hurt worse, which is just great, right? So we actually had videos showing the installation and we got a commission, of course, on those. Um, so that was really, really cool. Going back to some of the comments, I actually pulled these the other day. These are all from uh, less than a year ago and I pulled these from, from that really big video. And it was really cool seeing all these kids that watched our videos when they were younger, coming back and seeing it again, you see comments like, some things just never get old. I grew up watching these guys. Um, this series was my childhood. Like, I, hear, I heard that a lot. That's crazy. You know, I created, you know, we, me and my brother created something that, that you know, became these kids' childhood and their focus and what they were excited about. Um, kids say, we watch these all the time. You know, like, um, I grew up watching this series. Stuff like that, it's crazy. Um, I remember watching this content on my mom's iPad when I was younger. Those were the days. That just makes me feel good. Like, we created something that really impacted a lot of people. Um, this hits hard, bro. This hits hard, bro. This kid's watching it back. I think this was during COVID. They're like, this hits hard, bro. This was not our final arsenal. Um, this was a picture that I grabbed from one of our Facebook posts a while back. Um, this isn't the whole 150 guns, but we had we had a lot of guns. I think it was like 158 was our last count that we did, um, but we we that didn't count our unopened guns. A lot of the time we just bought we bought boxes of Nerf darts um, or not, uh, boxes of Nerf guns that were just completely um, unopened and because yeah, they gain value over time, you know, just kind of like I mean they they actually you can buy vintage guns that are unopened and they they're worth something today. We'd also send guns to, to kids all the time, so we had a big stack of, of brand new guns that we would send to kids who won contests and all that. We had we had contests on a monthly basis and we'd send out a lot of stuff to these kids. So I mean we had a huge empire. It was pretty, pretty cool. And the question that I get most is how did I get there? And People ask me this because they, you know, they want to learn how to get there. They want to learn how, how can I replicate this? So I have one answer for that. I was simply talented. <laughs> Thank you, God. 
No, it's not true. It's not true. Uh, as creatives, people who, who do videography, who do photography, who, who design, um, we're often told things like, you're talented, you have a gift, you've got a good eye. But in reality, I began to, to challenge that because it's not, it's not true. Um, today, I don't want to talk about what I do today as much because I want to talk about the Nerf stuff and the YouTube stuff, but I run a successful video marketing company. I, I work for a lot of big businesses. I work out of a studio now. I'm, I'm in a commercial space, uh, and I run a pretty decent size operation. Um, I subcontract a lot of people, and I've got, I've got employees and all that. Um, but, and I say that because I want to preface this, if I took 13-year-old, 16-year-old, 18, 21-year-old Adam and put him in my shoes today, in 2021 Adam's shoes, they would crumble. They wouldn't know what to do because it's not, it wasn't talent that's, that's who I am. It's not talent. My first videos were hot trash. You saw them. Actually, you didn't see them. The first videos were way worse than the, the episode one you saw. That was so bad. I mean, my, my stuff, I just remember I would run around with my little Intel camera and I had like a little car that I'd follow around. It was, it was bad. Um, You'd probably be impressed with how bad it was. Um, so that tells me something. It doesn't take talents or gifts or skills to harbor success. It takes determination and experience to earn it. So um, this, is my, this is my definition. Success, I really believe, takes sweat equity. I really think that it takes, it takes effort and it takes determination. Um, and there's no magic path like I, like I spoke about. Um, determination is so important. I, I follow a lot of, uh, I guess I, I don't follow, I get a lot of ads for people um, for, for how to create, am I too close to this flip? Am I good? I can come back here. Um, I get ads from full-time filmmaker, video warrior, MKBHD, all these, all these big uh, heads in the video game who have created a lot of content and they're like, this is the answer how to be popular, how to create successful stuff. But they can't impart their experience, just like I can't impart my experience. I can impart my mindset, but a lot of the time they say this is how to do it, but it's not about how to do it, it's about, it's about how you think. Um, so, yeah, my story can't bring you success, but it can point you in the right direction. So this is where we're getting to. I'm not gonna talk about this motivational crap anymore. So, how to be a YouTube superstar by Adam Oliver, and I put it in Comic Sans, because I'm a troll, so, all right. This I already talked about. Don't waste your time looking for shortcuts. You're not going to get there from shortcuts. The truth is, you have to create hot trash. You've got to do it. You've got to create hot trash. And not only do you have to create it, you've got to put it out there. Because people need to say, this is hot trash, and this is how to make it better. Right? Use metrics. This is something at 13-year-old Adam, I was like, I, you know, I'm kind of a tinkerer. I like to figure things out. You can't give me a pen or something like this without trying to take it apart. Um, I would always try to figure out why does something work the way it does. And YouTube gives you a lot of analytics. They tell you when something was liked, when something was, when somebody subscribed, the viewer retention. So I took these numbers as, as a 13-year-old as a kid. I'm like, okay, turns out kids don't like talking in the videos. You know, they stop watching when there's too much talking, right? So I used that. I found, okay, kids like shaky camera. They don't like, they don't like a steady tripod motion. You know, they like combat sync to action. They really, you know what kids really like? There's two things actually that kids really like to watch. They like, they like um, loading scenes, like loading guns, prepping for battle, sync to music. And then even more than that, they like hacking scenes. 
So if you get in a computer and you're typing and there's codes and scripts running down the screen, it doesn't have to mean anything. Kids love that. That was the highest views for attention in any of my videos was the hacking scene. <laughs> Create often. You need to be creating on a regular basis. This is probably the, one of the most important things, if not the most important. Yes, quality is important. Improving your craft is important. Using metrics to find out what people like is important. But if you're not creating often and you're not building your audience and you're not connecting to them long enough that they'll be repeat. So creating often is vital. This one's important too. Create something that you want to watch. Well, when we, when I was watching videos, I'm like, I want to see something cool. I want to see cool. I don't. I want it. You know, as a as a Christian, I like. I want it to be clean. I don't want swearing or gross stuff in these videos. I, you know, I don't want my parents to be watching my shoulder and like, oh, what are you watching? Stop watching. That's horrible. Um, you know, I, I wanted something to, to to be healthy. I wanted something to be wholesome, and I wanted it to be cool. I wanted to create something cool, cool action video. So obviously, I created episode one and did not accomplish that at all. Got close though. Find a niche is important. Nerf action videos. When we started, there were like, there was, we were probably one of the very first to create Nerf action videos. There's like 10 other channels out there today that, that create regularly every single week and they are, they're doing really well. But we were, we were number one because we found a niche. It's easy to find a niche. Um, you just have to think right. Um, yeah, cryptocurrency is going to be hard, but if you, if you find exactly who's who's watching cryptocurrency and, and find a subset of people who are interested in cryptocurrency, you have a niche. And this is, you know, cliche and corny, but one thing I did not talk about through this process is, I keep talking about this as it's in the past, because it is. Our YouTube, we stopped creating about five, six years ago. And it was really because, well, first of all, there's something called YouTube burnout, and I want to explain what that is. Um, when you create and create and create, you begin to, to build an expectation from your audience of the content you're going to create. And then it becomes a little bit of a machine that you just built. And sometimes that's a bad thing. Also, when money gets involved, that's hard. And that, that causes a little bit, little bit to change in your head. So, so when we were creating, we realized at some point, like, this isn't really what we were doing anymore. This isn't what we really intended. Um, because, you know, you could create something subpar or you could create something in a different, in a different uh, realm or um, create a different flavor and the kids are like, no, we don't like that. We want, we want the old stuff. And suddenly it's not what you want to do anymore. You forget your purpose. So we chose, we made the choice to stop because it, well, we weren't about it anymore. Um, we, go, we go back and watch our old stuff and our old comments and, and it's great to see these kids. We still get recognized publicly, both of us, me and my brother. Um, and it, it's, it's crazy. It's a lot of fun. But... Uh, if you don't remember your purpose when you're doing it and let that guide you so that your viewership and your audience adapts with you to that purpose, then you lose your motivation and you'll drop out and, and you'll eventually start to hate it. And that's where we almost got and we just decided, hey, we had a great run. This was so much fun. Let's, let's, let's end it where we're at. So that's where we were and that's, that's where we are today. So this is me. I'm Adam. Uh, that's my information. If you're ever curious about what I'm doing today, I'd love to chat with any of you. Or if you're building something and you're looking to, to, to strategize on how to build an audience, um, I'd love to chat about that stuff. So you can reach out to me. That's all I got. <laughs> Questions? Where's that?
want to put videos on YouTube? She asks, how does a 13-year-old want to put videos on YouTube? How does he decide that he wants to do that? I just like YouTube. I go back to create something you want to see. Like, I just, I like YouTube. I like Nerf guns. I, I watched a bunch of action stuff. Um, nobody knows any of these names. Freddie Wong was, a, was an action video creator. And I'm like, I love this stuff. I don't have real guns to use as replicas. I have Nerf guns. I have, I have one Nerf gun. I'm going to create something with this one Nerf gun. Um, and, you know, you just edit something together and upload it. You know, use iMovie, use the cheap camera that you've got. Um, you know, there wasn't quality then. I tried, but, you know, there was, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Where did all my hot mess videos go? My hot trash? Um, I don't know. They're, they're lost in cyberspace somewhere. I know I deleted a lot of them. Um, they're on, I know there's some on really old Hi8 tapes that are in some, someone's basement somewhere. But uh, I actually I had found a couple that were pre-Nerf SOCOM that uh, I didn't put anywhere and I hid from the world. So, but most of them are, most of them are gone. It would, it would be good to go back and see those old things because to really see where I actually started, it's like, oh, I made some progress. Yeah. Titus, you have something? My favorite strategy to gain subscribers. If you're, if you're releasing on a regular basis, you have to gain subscribers. It's just a rule. It's how it works. People will find you and people will share you. You've got to improve your stuff. But the, the number one thing I tell people, when they're trying to become an influencer, you've got to have a schedule. We were releasing on a weekly basis. We released every, uh, I think it was every Friday, which makes sense because kids are off school and they got the weekend. Um, but yeah, recurring recurring content where people can connect with you. Diversifying is good too, because not everybody's on YouTube. A lot of people are on that, that uh, TikTok thing that I don't, I don't even touch TikTok. Here you got Flip. Is once a week enough, or do you, do you have to put it in with like the letters that they rate you and all that stuff to just more Can you ask that more? Was once a week enough, or? So, so we released, that's a good question, actually, going back to it, I know we released a Nerf gun review every single week, um, but we would release on top of that schedule too, so on a monthly or bi-monthly we'd release one of those episodic series, like an action video, and then we would also release those news on a monthly basis. So there were some that went in addition to, but I think it was that recurring, those reviews that we were creating that really brought the people to expect content. When they expect content, they'll come back. Anybody else? Thank you. Thanks so much, Adam, for joining us today, despite the broken hands incident. Awesome. We loved learning about YouTube and that whole world. All right. Now, uh, Nerd Night, the next one for Kawadi will be Wednesday, September 15th. Mark your calendars right here or maybe right back in our regular spot that was over there. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be across the way because I think it's a Presenting ideas again. 
you guys are thinking, oh my god, what am I going to present to a room full of drunk people? Smart drunk people. Email us, nerdnightcos at gmail.com. Follow, like, review, share us with Colorado Springs, with your friends. Bring everyone that you like and you know. All your cool people, bring them at nerdnightcos on Facebook and on Instagram. We also host, Flip and I, host another community building event called Memoirs, True Stories Unfiltered. If you'd like to get a peek inside of people's own world, their stories, it's not teaching you anything, but if you do get to listen to what other people's lives are like, Memoirs, True Stories Unfiltered is the last Monday of the month. This next one is on August 30th. Monday, August 30th at 3 East Comedy Club here in downtown. And that is it. Thank you everyone for coming. Thank you for working with us. This situation, we appreciate you and hope to see you all next time. Woo!